All right, good morning, everybody. Um, I want to preach a, a message this morning. It's not part of a series, um, but it's an interesting uh, kind of time. It's, I'm kind of tagging on to Christmas a little bit, so forgive me if you feel like uh, you should take your decorations down already. Most of you guys will keep them up at least till end of January, or is that just us? <laughs> so anyway, we've got a message this morning. Um, it's based on a song, and it's, it's called, uh, there's a line in the song called, Do You See What I See? But the but the song is actually called Do You Hear What I Hear. Most of you guys know this song. It's one of my favorite Christmas songs, and I remember the first time I, I heard it, I was like, that's really good, I like that. And it felt like it was like a folk song, like it was really old, but it turns out it's not. It's actually written in 1962, October of 1962, which is really interesting because it was written at the same time the, the Cuban Missile Crisis was going on. So for all you young guys who don't know that, I mean, I, w- I wasn't born yet, but I remember studying it in school. But apparently it was a really, really frightening time because it was the closest that, you know, America and, uh, or the U.S. and Russia had ever gotten to nuclear war. I mean, I, was part, I came up a little bit in the Cold War and kind of felt a little bit some of that going on. I remember hiding under the desk. They would do the drills and we'd hide under the desk when I was a kid. Um, but it was a really interesting time. So they, they asked this guy to, to write a song about Christmas, and it was October, obviously getting ready to be released. They released it in November. And, he, and he, he was really having a hard time writing a Christmas song when the world is on the brink of war. So it's an interesting, there's an interesting couple of passages, and I just want to read you a couple of them. Um, he, he said it started out with, said the night wind to the little lamb, do you see what I see? And so it, he said the, the idea came, he's walking home, and he was having a, real, a, a lot of trouble, and he saw two women walking their babies in a stroller, and the babies were looking at each other and kind of cooing and, and talking to one another. So that's where the, the first inspiration came to write, write into this song. But there's a couple of other interesting passages. One of them is a star, a star, dancing in the night with a tail as big as a kite, with a tail as big as a kite. And so when you recognize the context of the story, his, in his head it was a picture of a missile flying through the air. Right? So that's the picture that he had. And now, obviously, it translates when we sing it. We're thinking of the star, right? Um, and then there's another part where he says, said the, said the king to the people everywhere, listen to what I say. Pray for peace, people everywhere, listen to what I say. And so, again, the context, it's like when, you know, we, we recognize it as a Christian song, and it was written that way. But there was, there was kind of some double meaning going on in that. And then the last line, the child, the child sleeping in the night, he will bring us goodness and light. He will bring us goodness and light. And so it's a really interesting kind of, um, kind of thing that, again, the line, do you see what I see? Because part of it is, it's interesting that if you don't know the context of the song, you don't see what he saw. <laughs> see how that works? So he was seeing things through the, through, through the lens of a crisis. It was, and his name was Noel, which I think is really hilarious, you know, <laughs> the guy who wrote um, But it's really interesting, the way we see things often is, is uh, determined by our own Lens are on filter. I've talked about this numerous times, and how you have to be really careful. Like you're, if you're, you know, if you're deeply from the South and you're talking to someone from a different culture, the danger of, of that conversation is that you are interpreting everything as if it's your, you know, your mama at Thanksgiving, and it's not probably right. One, if they're saying, you know, if they're saying some harsh things, some challenging things, sometimes that comes across as harsh and challenging. But from other cultures, sometimes that's that's celebrated. You know, to be blunt. And to be straightforward is very celebrated. Where in the South, that's not celebrated. If you do that, you're rude. You know, if you're in the South, you, we talk about this all the time, you realize that you were insulted when you get home. That's how we do it in the South, right? You know, super subtle, easygoing. Um, and so culture matters, uh, context matters. And so when he wrote, wrote the song, Do You See What I See? The answer is, 
you know, we're all like, yeah, of course I do. You're singing about Jesus. And he was, and he wasn't at the same time. So there's this really interesting passage. He wrote it from Luke chapter 2. And so I'm just going to read a bit of this. Again, still part of Christmas, but you'll kind of get where I'm going in a second. He says, then the angel said to them, this is Luke chapter 2, verse 10. The angel said to them, do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord, and this will be the sign to you. You'll find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes lying in a manger. So we know this is the, the, the um, announcement to the shepherds, right, on the hillside. And so they run, it says, um, and suddenly there was this angel of multitude, the heavenly host praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill towards men. So it was, this is verse 15, so it was that when the angels had gone away from them into heaven, that the shepherds said to one another, let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. So there's this revelation that the, the angel came and said, I want you to know something that you don't know. I want you to see something that I see, right? So the, a few uh, verses down in verse 19, it says, but Mary kept all these things and she pondered them in her heart. So, I mean, if you imagine the story of Christmas and, you know, this young woman who, you know, her whole pregnancy was probably full of shame. Not because she'd done anything wrong, but because people didn't see what she saw, right? So again, outside of context. And so the second time you hear this phrase from Mary was in um, Luke 249, a little ways down, but about 12 years later. So Jesus is in the temple, and uh, he's supposed to go home with Mary and Joseph, and he doesn't. And so they're in a big group, you know, a lot of extended family. People hear that passage sometimes and go, what a horrible parenting, you know, model that was. <laughs> Left your kid in, in the big city or whatever. But again, they were, the expectation is they're traveling with a big group of their extended family or, or friends or whatever. And so it's easy to kind of get lost in the middle of that. And so it, it talks about when they found him, Jesus answered this question. When they said, what are, they said, what are you doing? This is what he said. He said, why were you searching for me? Didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? And then a little bit past that, it says that Mary pondered that in her heart. And then, you know, the last time you kind of see that happening is at the cross, when Mary's standing at, standing at the cross, and, uh, and Jesus says to, to the disciple John, you know, behold your mother. And even in his suffering, he, was, he cared about her and wanted her to be taken care of, and he was making sure that she was covered. And, and those things, you know, the, the passage that, that, uh, where they, they go into the temple, and Simeon, um, this prophet announces who he is, and then someone else speaks up. And, and, the, and the Bible says there, it talked about some of the challenges of the Messiah that was part of Scripture, and, and it said it's going to be a, a sword that pierces your heart. And again, she pondered this in her heart. She's like, what, is, what does that mean? She's trying to see what God was seeing, right? But she couldn't because the context wasn't there. So she goes on, and again, at the cross, can you just imagine She's, she's standing at the foot of the cross. The emotion had to be overwhelming. And then some revelation, that revelation that happened with the shepherds came. And then, you know, um, when, he was, when he was brought to the temple for the first time. And then when he was 12 years old in the temple. And then now at the cross, all the ponderings, it, it began to make sense. Right? She was beginning to see what he saw. And then eventually, of course, um, you know, the, the passage, there's another Christmas song, but there's so many passages about it. it's really fascinating that, you know, Mary delivered the baby Jesus and then Jesus delivered Mary. <laughs> right? It's just a really interesting transition. And so it's, it's fascinating. And so it's, it's interesting how when God reveals something, he, he reveals something to us. Oftentimes we think we know what he's saying, 
But, but most of the time we get it wrong, if I'm honest, especially when we first hear it or first see it. If we don't know the way God is, if we don't know his character, if we don't know um, who he is and how he works, we, we very often get, get things wrong. So I want to talk a little bit this morning about vision. As we kind of go into 2021, you know, we come, we're coming out of a rough year, and so everybody's like, oh, I'm, I'll be so glad when this year ends. And can I, I'm, can I just kind of burst your bubble a little bit? Um, <laughs> there's nothing magical about January the 1st. <laughs> there just isn't. Um, the, the thing is, it, it helps us in our context because we, we feel like, okay, I get to start fresh. But that's true and not true at the same time, if that makes sense. And so the danger of it is, if you get too deeply ingrained in that mindset and then, and then the experiences don't pan out, you know, your expectations don't pan out, you're going to be deep, deeply discouraged. You're like, man, I thought it was going to be better this year. It's like, well, maybe it is for everybody else or a bunch of people and maybe it isn't for a few people because that's just kind of how life works, right? So, so when God begins to talk to us, he's got, a, he's got something in mind. He's got a vision for our lives. Um, there's a famous scripture we know about vision in Proverbs 29, 18. And I just want to kind of start the, the message this way, that vision actually begins with what God wants. So if, if we start our life, if we try to live our life out of what we want or what others want, um, it's destined for failure. Because what happens is there's, a, there's an idea of what I think is going to be, and, and oftentimes it's not the way it works out. I always think about, you know, when people get married, and I do uh, pre-marriage counseling, I'm like, this is, this is the dumbest way to do this ever. Like, God, why did you, you know, like Benjamin Button, we should do it backwards. Don't you think, like, you know, should, you should get married and parent once you've got, you know, 20 years of marriage and parenting experience. <laughs> but that's not how that works, is it? And I remember wondering about that. I'm like, Lord, this just seems like the, a crazy way to do this. But it's because I didn't see what he saw, right? What he saw was marriages are supposed to be designed around something supposed to be built around a godly perspective, not a worldly perspective, or not even what your expectations or their expectations are. It's about the way God designed it. Like marriage is supposed to look like something. Parenting is supposed to look like something from God's perspective. And if you know that, then what happens is there's this connection with God that says, God, I don't know how this is supposed to look, but you do. Right? And so this question then again to us is, do you see what I see? Do you see what I see as you start your marriage do you see what I see? I'm seeing from a different perspective, and I'm trying to get you to do the same thing. And so vision starts with what God wants. And so Proverbs 29 18, um, this is the NIV. I'm going to read two different versions. It says, where there's no revelation, where you don't capture what it is that God has seen or said, people cast off restraint, but blessed is the one who heeds wisdom's instruction. And in the Message Bible, it's really interesting. It says, if people can't see what God is doing, they stumble all over themselves. <laughs> Isn't that true? But when they attend to what he reveals, they are most blessed. And so you see this, this uh, theme throughout Scripture. Jesus starts out in Matthew 5 about blessed are they, right? And everything about that blessed are they comes back to not just character development, but do you see what God sees? Can you capture what life is supposed to look like, what, what relationships are supposed to look like? Every aspect of your life, can you see it from God's perspective? Because you, if you can, he's the author, he's the designer, Right? And if you capture that and you live in that reality, then there's much, much less chance of disappointment and discouragement and brokenness, right? We still live in a fallen world, and so that stuff is going to come to some degree. But you can mitigate against that in huge ways by understanding and, and seeing it the way God sees it. So again, rev that word revelation just means a, a revelation of God's will. It was the prophetic revelation, actually, in the Old Covenant. 
it was God revealing himself and his ways and what his intentions were for the nation of Israel. That's kind of the context it was written in. And so a question I have, we, I, I share this a lot about what it means to be missional in our life, to live on mission. And, and Matthew um, 28 has a passage about making disciples. It says, go and make disciples, right? Baptizing them. And it says, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded. And then it, interesting passage that says, I'm with you always, even to the end of the earth. Right? So Matthew 28. And so it's a really interesting passage because the question he's, he's basically generating from us is, um, what's God saying to you? So obey everything I've said. That's the past tense. That's the, you know, you can build on Scripture who Jesus is and what he's done and what he said and how to live life. And so Jesus, Hebrews talks about, is a perfect representation of God on earth, right? God's spoken in all these other ways, but he's spoken lastly and most importantly through his son. And so we capture this gospel message of how God wants to relate to us. He pushes sin out of the way through the gospel. We come to him completely free and ready in relationship. And then there's this really weird thing that happens to us where we keep falling back under the law and we keep going back to the the rules and regulations, right, the um, the law. And so, again, that, that passage, obey everything I've commanded, comes into play in a huge way because that's important, right? God's revealed himself through Scripture, so we can see that. But it says, I'm going to be with you always, even to the end of the earth. And here's the implication of that verse. That part of the verse is, I'm with you right now. So there's some things I've said that help build foundations or guardrails. You don't want to get away from those. But something I'm saying to you is happening every single day. And we forget that part. And it's so easy for us to just start walking, not in the revealed will of God. It's the previous revealed will will of God, and we, and we stop walking in the revealing will of God, the present tense, right? And so the danger in uh, revelation from God is, do you see what I see? You, you look backwards and say, yeah, I do. And that's only half of the equation. God's actually saying, hey, not did you, did you see what I saw? That's not what he's saying. He's saying, do you see what I see? He's trying to get us to realize that, that it's the present tense and where we're moving forward that matters so much to how our life plays out, right? The vision that God has for our life. So vision requires action. That's a, something that's pretty obvious, but it's not just doing something because it turns out that self-sufficiency is sin. Self-sufficiency is missing the mark. Sin is God has an intention. You miss the intention, that's missing the mark. That's sin, right? So what does it mean to, to be self-sufficient? James chapter 4 really grabs a hold of this in a big way. So again, vision requires you to do something about what you've seen, right? You, there's some action involved. It's not passive. You don't just stand back and go, oh, God will do what he's going to do. Have you ever heard this? I mean, it's on Facebook all the time. You know, it's like, you know, it, it will be what it will be. Well, then why are you still here? Why are you praying? Just quit all that foolishness because in God's sovereignty, it's just he pushed play on the VCR. I'm dating myself. <laughs> he pushed play on, on the VCR and then let it run. And there's nothing you can do about it. If that's so, to me, that's more discouraging than just about any, any other con- concept of, you know, of what our future holds. Because there's nothing I can do about what comes to me. And that discourages me probably more than anything else. But that's not how God does it. There, you have an interaction. There is, there is um, a co-laboring. The Bible calls this co-heirs. There's a co relationship. There's a connection with God and his intention is for us to walk together with him. Originally, and I've said this numerous times over the last year, there's this passage that keeps coming back up in Genesis that God walked with Adam and Eve in the cool of the day. 
he would come to them and he wanted to be with them. He wanted to go on a walk, not because he needed exercise, right? That's probably pretty obvious. So why was he doing that? His heart was, I want to be with you. That's the reason I created you, was to be with you. And then, of course, sin comes, and it, and it disconnects the relationship. And then the gospel, and Jesus, died, not him being born in a manger, but him dying on the cross, fixed the problem of what was in the way of the relationship, right? And so the beautiful thing about the gospel is that's an ongoing truth. That doesn't go away because, oh, I, I gave my life to Christ, and I got right, and then I messed up again. Well, now I have to redo the gospel. No, you don't. No, you don't. And I've preached on this millions of times over the last several years about how that everything about forgiveness is a past tense illustration because God wanted to do away with the thing that was in the way, right? And once you know that, then when even if you're in sin, if you find yourself broken, you find yourself having gotten off the path, the action you take, because remember vision takes action, is you can be restored immediately. Now, maybe there's some things that have happened because of sin and brokenness in your life that takes some redemption, right? There's a redemption story tied to it. But restoration is not just possible, it's, it's a given if you lean into the way God is doing it. Too often we don't. So here's James 4 about self-sufficiency and why it's so important to be in a relationship. He says, look here, you who say today or tomorrow, we're going to a certain town and we'll stay there for a year, we'll do business there and make a profit. Now, what's wrong with planning, Right? Nothing. There's nothing wrong with planning. He goes on. He says, how do you know what your life will be like tomorrow? So he's not saying don't plan. He's just saying don't put so much stock in the plan that you can't allow God to make transitions in your life because his plan is what you're really supposed to be after, right? So maybe you go and make a profit. Maybe you don't make a profit. Maybe you learn something along the way. Maybe relationships that occurred are are some of the most valuable resources. That's the profit that he gave you through that season. How do you know what your life will be like tomorrow? Your life is like the morning fog. It's here a little while, then it's gone. And so what James is saying is there's an eternal purpose behind what it is that God's doing in your life, even over the next year, right? So does it matter? I mean, you want to plan your years. We get up January. Some of you guys are big planners. You're like, man, I'm going to plan, plan out my year. That's awesome. I love that. There's nothing wrong with it. Fly by the seat of your pants. We need both kinds of people in our life, right? They're helpful to keep us in proper perspective. But if you plan so carefully and not be open to what God is going to do, the danger is, again, you're, you build an expectation that is shattered, and you're constantly disappointed, and you're constantly discouraged. How many of you guys would have chosen 2020 if you'd have known what it was going to look like back in January? I wouldn't have, right? So many things. I wouldn't have done that. But I look back over my journey, and again, we, the danger is we go back to that mindset of the sovereignty of God. And there's truth in the sovereignty of God. I've talked about this as well, and we can get more into that in, the, in, in 2021. But it doesn't, it doesn't mean that nothing you can do can change the future. Because again, that's, dis, that's more discouraging than not. So, well, then what does it mean that you plan your future? He, he talks about you don't know what's going to happen because your life happens so quick. Grab, what he's really going after is grab hold of the things that are eternal. Because those are the things that matter, right? If, you, if you're interested in what that looks like practically, it's people, right? There are not many things on this planet that are eternal. Not many things that are going to last forever. Trees aren't. I love that you want to save trees. Hug them all you want. <laughs> but at some point, they're going to go away. Even naturally, they're just going to die, right? Save the whales. I'm all for that. I love whales. They're, they're really awesome. 
They taste really good at the barbecue. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I know that was wrong, but you guys are getting way too serious. I can see it on your faces. <laughs> I was going to say that about cats, but some of you guys would never forgive me if I said that about cats. So the whole thing is you've got to plan for something, but you have to be open to what the Lord is doing. So there's action required, but it can't just be what you want to do. It has to be tied to something in revelation of God. He goes on, he says, what you ought to say is, if the Lord wants us to, we will live and do this or do that. And he said, otherwise... You're boasting about your own pretentious plans, and all such boasting is evil. Right? So if you want to miss the mark, leave God out of your plan. <laughs> right? You really want to, if you want to sin, leave God out of your plan. Just plan your, you know, plan your marriage, plan your, where you're going to go to school, if you're going to go to school or not, um, plan where you're going to live, plan your next job. It's, people ask us, sometimes they'll say, hey, you know, are you, you and Karen going to be at DCF, you know, forever? We're like, I don't know. I have no idea <laughs> what tomorrow holds. I'm planning to be here forever. I'm not going anywhere. I like it here, right? But if God comes to me tomorrow and says, Dave, I want to do something different, well, you have to trust. That some of you guys are like, oh, that kind of scares me a little bit because I like stability and I like, you know, consistency. I'm not, I like know, knowing what's going to go on. Well, if that's the case, then you're trusting in me and stability and a bunch of other things to be sovereign for you and to be God for you. And that's not actually the way God designed it to work. So boasting into a plan that doesn't, you know, isn't going to happen is, is not a helpful thing. Plans not born from God will ultimately fail because they're not eternal. <clears throat> if you have a plan that is not taken into the eternal, the eternal into effect, then, then your plans are going to begin to fall apart. And you're going to be deeply disappointed. So what do I mean by that? We talked about earlier about being missional. What does it mean to be missional? It just means to be on the mission of God. Not your mission. I love that you have a mission. But if your mission is not tied to God, it's ultimately going to fail. Think about it. I, I, you work so hard. I see this all the time. People on, online, you know, every time the, the YouTube ads that I get all the time or, you know, some guy showing me his, his last paycheck and it's, you know, six figures. And, you know, if I just did what he said, I would also be a millionaire, right? I feel like that you might be lying to me. I feel like the way you got that six figures is lying to me about this, and I click on it, and that's how you got your six figures. But you're not telling me that, right? So, again, there's, there's plans. We put those plans out there, and we go after them. And the danger is if they're not connected to the eternal, if they're not connected to people, if they're not connected to the church, right? Why should I attend church? If I, ha if I can watch church online, why should I be here? That's a really good question, actually, and Scripture answers that question. It says, don't forsake the gathering of yourselves together, as some do. In other words, some people are like, I don't see the value in being in relationship on a Sunday morning or during the week in connection, relationship with people. It's because you don't see the eternal aspect of it. You think of it as a message. You think of it as, you know, information. But it's not. It's connected. It's revelation that's connected to the people that God is putting in your life. And everything that he does comes through people. Everything. Because that's the eternal plan. Does that make sense? So there's something we need to do. There's action we take. But we can't do it self, in self-sufficiency without God in the picture because that's sin. Here's another one. Vision is a process, not an event. This is really helpful because so often we get stuck in what, what we felt like God said. And then we're, we're not recognizing that, that vision, as God delivers this vision to you, it unfolds over time. He'll say things to you like with Mary... He said something to her through the shepherds, and she hid those things in her heart. She pondered them. Um, well, children's Bible says she hid them in her heart. In other words, she, she, she put them there and said, I'm going to take that out from time to time and, and think that over again. So what about the words over you as a, as a believer? 
What about what Scripture has said about you? Do you ponder those things in your heart? I ask questions, you know, like one question is about healing, signs and wonders and miracles. It's like I've prayed for a lot of people and they've not been healed. Have you done that? That can get really discouraging and really disappointing really quick. So if I tie my obedience to only what I see, I will, I will not obey. Because I don't see what he sees, right? So it, the question is, one, I, it's good to ponder those things in my heart because I ask questions like, Lord, why aren't you healing people? And that's actually a really, really good question. What's happened in the past is people, again, have gotten stuck in this this, this event, vision is an event, not a process. So they pray for some people. Maybe they even pray over a year, and they don't see anybody healed. So they say, well, then God must not be. So what you just did was you, you, what you saw, right, in the natural, in the circumstantial, has now defined your belief system, defined your doctrine, and it's not a helpful way to, to be a believer, right? It has to be defined in Scripture first, and then the revelation of God, it's unfolding and it makes more sense as you go along. I look back over my life. I remember sitting down for an interview, and there was two, two things, two comments that I always got when people looked at my resume. Because my, my resume was I worked when I had to work. In terms, I, didn't have, I never had a career. This, you know, this is a career. It's not really. It's a calling. But this is always what I've done, ministry. And so I've had to do something because sometimes the church couldn't pay me for that. And I'm okay with that. It's a process, again. But I would sit down with the interview with people, and they look at my resume, and it would kind of be a little bit scattered, and they're like, huh, <laughs> it's always the same. Huh, you have an interesting resume. I said, thank you. I'm like, I don't know if that's a compliment. Sometimes it's not. And they're like, it would be two things. Man, you are really well-rounded. Thank you. I love that. And the other one was, you sure did bounce around a lot. And I said, no, I didn't. And I would share with them. It's not something an employer wants to hear is that when God calls me away, your company is coming in second, <laughs> right? You don't want to say that to a company, but I had to say it because it was true. And so the, this whole concept that it's, an, it's a process, not an event, is recognize that God is unfolding that vision in front of you. And the thing you hear on the front side, if you place definition on that to the point where there is no room for change or transition or new context or new revelation to speak to that, you will be severely disappointed. It becomes brittle and it breaks very easily, right? And so some of us have been very disappointed. We've, we've seen things, it's like, Lord, you've, but you've promised me, right? And, and I, I say that too. Um, in January this last year, our church was doing, in terms of just the circumstances, was doing really, really well. We were flying. We just celebrated, you know, 45 years of ministry as a church, 10 years of ministry for Karen and I. Had these great big plans. We had consistent growth that was occurring. It was steady. Foundations were in place. We're like, this is going to be the year. And it was a year, all right. (laughs) But it was not the year that we expected. I'm like, the Lord's like, hey, all these promises beforehand, though, of all the things he was going to do and and ministry and, and and influence, and touching people's lives, and transformation occurring, and great, people really getting grace, and being, speaking into the life of the church in our city, and the nations, all these things are like, Lord, did you, you know, did 2020 knock you down too? Right? Isn't that kind of what we feel? I mean, I mean, it didn't. 2020 didn't phase God at all. It's not like he didn't see it coming, right? And I think, again, if we base our, our vision and, and it's not allowed to unfold before us, 2020 threw us all for a loop. So maybe go back. And as you pondered these things in your heart, as Mary, in her life, watched things happen, and she was like, huh, 
That's interesting, right? And you can look at that resume one of two ways. (laughs) Well-rounded, you sure did bounce around a lot. But when I look backwards in my life, I see a very consistent direction that every time I said yes to the Lord, it was a straight line. But it doesn't look like a straight line when I'm doing it. It looks like I'm going all over the place, right? Don't get me wrong, you, you might be. So maybe that's something to address. But if you do it well, then what happens is you grab hold of something, you recognize, Lord, I'm going to do today what I know today, right? And, and that's why the Bible talks about give us this, our bread, this daily bread. That's why it's so powerful and why it's always connected to today. Always connected to today. Not yesterday, not what God did for you then or what he's going to do for you. Those are all wonderful things. And they, they build into who we are and who, who we recognize God is. But there has to be a substance that comes and says, Lord, just because circumstances are trying to tell me something about you, I am not choosing to believe that. I'm making a decision to believe in your character because you have represented yourself well. And every time that, I've, that I've, my expectations have been shattered, it turns out it was from my perspective and not yours because I was planning to go to that city and make a profit for the year and something changed. And so now, rather than saying, Oh, God, that's an interesting transition. What are you doing now? My mindset is, God, you disappointed me. You must be mean. You must not love me. Which isn't that what the children of Israel did. You brought us out here in the desert to die. Forget that you're still on the journey, right, to the promised land because your not-headedness, I don't know if that's a word or not, but it should be, has led you to this place where you can't hear God, you can't see God, you won't believe what he said, you're stuck in the desert for 40 years, Whose fault was that? It was supposed to be a few days' journey. Turned into 40 years of misery. Not because God's intentions weren't true and accurate, but because of what we did and what we, we said, I see what you see, but I didn't see what he saw. And I let disappointment and hurt and brokenness take me off track. And it's so easy to do, especially after a year like 2020. So how do you do that? How does it unfold? You have to be in constant relationship. This is Proverbs 25, verse 2. It's the glory of God to conceal a matter. (laughs) Do you ever get mad? Like, God, how come you don't talk to me? Right? How come you're not telling me what's going on? And God's like, "I'm, I'm telling you everything. If you're listening, I'm telling you enough if you trust me. But there's never enough information, hear me, if you don't trust God. You're never gonna get enough. It's never going to be enough. You will always be disappointed. It has to come back to, Lord, I know this is who you are. I know this is your character, and it doesn't make sense, but my understanding will grow, and this vision will unfold in my relationship with you. The deeper I go into my relationship with him, the more I understand about what's happening around me. So again, that's why rules aren't the answer, why it's not about that. Proverbs 3 says that trust in the Lord with all your heart. We know this. Lean not on your own understanding. It's easy to say, but really hard to do, right? In all of your ways, acknowledge him. There's an interesting word. You know, if, if you ever heard the name Derek, that's actually that word way. <laughs> I didn't know that, right? It's the, the, word, the name Derek is the, the word way in this passage. And it means a way, a road, a journey, or a manner of life. It turns into how you conduct yourself on the journey, right? So let me say it again. In all of your ways, in all of your journey, acknowledge God. Every day, acknowledge God. Be aware of him. Say, God, I believe in you, and I believe in what you're doing to me. I'm acknowledging you, and I'm listening for any transition or change that you're speaking into my life. What if you have planned to go to school, to a certain college, and you wake up one day, and the Lord says, you know, I really don't want you to do that. 
Are you so bought in? Hear me. Are you so bought in to whatever you think is the right way that you are unwilling to listen to the Lord? If that's so, you are going to reap the whirlwind. It's just the truth of it. And I know that's kind of heavy, and I get it, but, it, but that's a warning that God, he's trying to give us. He's like, if you, want to, if you want to see beauty in your life, if you want to see everything that he's promised come into your life, the only way to do it is to be in relationship with, with him. He, he says again, this self-sufficiency thing he goes after even in this verse. Do not be wise in your own eyes. In other words, stay humble, stay flexible, listening to God. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. Don't be disobedient. So again, he will direct your path. He will. That's something you can trust in. And I want to close with this, con- this concept, that vision leaks. <laughs> right? Like when God says things to you, if you don't stay after it, if you don't continue to dwell in, in that idea and that concept and be saying, Lord, what are you doing here? I'm like, I have a plan to go to the city and, and make a profit for a year, but what are you, what are you doing here? I remember Karen and I, were, we were on the verge of, of being ordained in a certain de- denomination many, many years ago. And right before that happened, there was transition in our church. We got a new leader. And about that same time, Desert Storm kicked off. And I was in the Air Force. And so they sent me away into the desert. Sounds familiar, right? <laughs> so I'm like, Lord, this, this is crazy. And I remember, God, you sent me out here to die? I literally said the same thing in the same desert that the Israelites said, which I thought was hilarious. I'm like, that's really funny, Lord, that you, you know, I'm literally doing that. Like, you sent me out here to die? <laughs> and I remember the Lord just clear as a bell said in my heart, you're not going to die. I have plans for you. I'm like, yeah. So then I got arrogant because, you know, I'm young. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm indestructible. Like, that's not what the Lord said, actually. And I realized, you know, he didn't say I was going to come back with all my arms and legs. And so I was the first one in the hole and the last one out when the bombs came in, right? I'm like, okay, I'm not stupid. The Lord said I was going to live. Some of the decisions I'm, I'm going to make are de- going to determine what that life actually looks like. And isn't that true of all of us? Like, we follow after some of the substance of what the Lord says, but in, in, over time, we get distracted. There's a bunch of things that happen, discouragement, things that happen. And we walk away from that, and, we're, and we don't hold true in listening on a daily basis. And if we're not careful, we'll still potentially fulfill the plan of God in our life, but it will be a wreck in the process and a mess. One of my favorite passages in the book of Acts where Paul, with his team, are headed to this place called Mysia. It's like pre-Asia if you're traveling from Turkey headed toward Russia. And so... <laughs> They're on their way, and they, you know as a team, it never says this, but the implication is they prayed into this, they sought the Lord, because it takes a lot of money, a lot of resources, a lot of travel together. It was not as easy as it is today, so it was a big stinking deal when they traveled. They put all that effort and mindset in, we're going to go here because we feel like this is what the Lord is going to do. And they take off, and they get, they get right up toward Troas, which is where they're going to head over or into the Balkan states, right, where Bosnia and um, all those different places. And, and right on the verge of that, headed into Mysia, the Lord comes and the Bible says, the Spirit of God forbid them to go into Mysia. He said, I don't want you to do that. And I remember thinking, their heart was, I'm going to go to Mysia and preach the gospel. What's more important than going to preach the gospel? That was as pure a motive as could possibly be. And yet God said, I don't want you to do that. <laughs> Isn't that weird? And, and so they didn't argue with him. Paul just said, okay. And the Bible said they pulled back, they started praying. So they knew what God didn't didn't want them to do, but didn't know what God did want them to do, right? 
So as they were going, they had some concept of, of God in the direction that God was, they knew they were supposed to go, right? That was a word from Jesus himself, go into all the world, preach the gospel. So you knew that, that's given. Their value system is built from the foundation of, of, of the word of God and they're headed into it and it's awesome. And, and the, the day-to-day, where, what city am I going into next, was a constant revelation because vision was leaking, and they had to find that direction on a daily basis. And so Scripture says that they hear the Lord, that he, he prays, and then that night he has a dream, and he sees a man in Macedonian, Balkan states, and, and the Macedonian man says, come over and help us. Will you come help us? And he perceived that God was giving him the direction to go there, and he did. He took the gospel in a different direction. Now, eventually the, go- the gospel went to Mysia. John took it there. So- several others, Peter, went up into that area and preached the gospel there. But for whatever reason... And we don't know what that is. When I get to heaven, I'm curious, Lord, why did you do that? I have a lot of why questions when I get to heaven. Do you? I have a lot of them. But, but it's never, what you can't let the why question do is demean God's character. Because that's not on him, that's on you and me. That's on us misperceiving, misunderstanding, misaligning, mis, miss. <laughs> We're just missing it. And that's the whole point behind sin. Sin is missing something that is God's intention. If you want to get out of sin, the gospel is very clear. It's not about rules and regulations because Jesus took care of it once and for all, the Bible says. So what does that mean then? How do you stay out of sin if you're a believer? How do you consistently avoid sin? And the answer isn't thinking about avoiding sin. The Bible says to stay in step with the Spirit and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. What does that mean? It's literally what I'm saying. That if you hear what the Lord is saying in your life, if you're clear about it, if you're on that, on that path, the chances of you falling into sin are very, very slim. But if you, if you ignore that, hear me, if you ignore that, no matter, no matter how good your motive is, no matter how well-intentioned your motives are, I'm going to do this for God's people. I, I've, I've seen people break down in ministry because they stopped listening to God and started doing it for purpose. Right? And, and don't get me wrong, you, there, you have to stick in whatever God's called you to. So it has, it has to be settled in his character. If you've not done yet that yet, that's work that you need to do as a believer. Work out your own salvation is what the Bible says. It's not work for your salvation. It's what people hear when they read that scripture. It's not what it says. It says work it out. In fear and trembling. What does that mean? In connection with who God is and his purposes and his plans, recognizing it's far bigger than anything you could do. So when I go to pray for somebody, I learned, I've watched myself, and it's why it's good to ponder these things in your heart and ask these questions. And I would pray for people, and I would pray for healing, and I would pray for their healing as if I was begging God to heal them. And then I thought, how stupid am I that I would do it that way? That, That literally, I'm saying with my words, Lord, I want you to heal them, and I do. But I'm, I'm saying at the same time, God, you are reluctant to do so. Right? And don't we do that sometimes in, in our life? God, I had all these plans for 2020. I've said this. I'm, I'm being super vulnerable here. I've said this this year. God, I'm really disappointed. I'm hurt. I've, I've worked really hard. <laughs> right? 11 years, Karen, I've been working in the foundations of DCF. We've experienced some serious hurt over 11 years. We've been hurt by people come say some of the most horrible things to us when literally we're laying our life down to serve people. Now, I'm not saying they're, they're 
aren't adjustments that need to be made, that I'm perfect. I'm not. That sometimes I'm doing it for the wrong reasons. I'm literally saying that right now. <laughs> but what I, what I want to challenge you with is the same thing I felt the Lord say to me is, do you trust me? Do you trust me or, or, or are you really subtly saying, I, I have a better plan than you do, Lord. I do. I have a better plan. The way I'm going to do my marriage, the way I'm going to parent, the way I'm going to travel, you know, whatever it is. And I remember this. I remember saying to the Lord at one point, I felt like the Lord asked me, will you lay your life down for me? It's part of following Jesus. And I remember I was was on track to become an architect. I was, I'd gone in the military because I couldn't afford college, came from a very poor background, and I was on track to become an architect. I was in my head, I'm going to, I'm going to wear flannel and drive a SUV and never get my boots dirty because my dad was a landscaper and I always had my boots dirty. I, that was in my head. I'm going to make it. I'm going to be all right. I'm going to live in a nice brick home in a nice neighborhood and drive an SUV. <laughs> That's really what, what I was after because I just didn't want to be poor anymore. And I remember my pastor said, he was preaching, he said, hey, Jesus is calling. Are, are you willing to answer? Not just Jesus, I, I need you for salvation. Duh. Of course you do. <laughs> That's the very basic. Of when your kid realizes that he can't feed himself, and it's like, you know, your kids are always like super self-sufficient, as if they could live in their own apartment with their own job when they're like four. And parents get duped into believing them. And I just look at parents and go, just tell them no. You don't have to explain everything to a four-year-old, right? <laughs> you think you know. You th- they think they see, but do they see as you see? The answer is they don't. So at some point in your life, you have to come back to that place. Like with me, that moment, I gave my life to Jesus in that sense. I'd already asked him for salvation, but he was asking me to lay my life down and pick his up. Will you do it my way? Will you, like Jesus in the garden, right? That's what he was saying. Lord, it's not my will to suffer like this. It's not my will to go through this the way it's happening right now. I'd much rather do it a different way. Nevertheless, not mine, but yours. You are bought with a price. Hear me. Your life does not belong to you. It doesn't. And here's the beautiful thing about that. You're screwing it up anyway. <laughs> People who think they've got the best life are usually the ones that end up in the most despondent, complete lack of hope because they're self-sufficient and they've lived a life outside of the, literally the way God designed us to live our life, which is in relationship with him. Here's what we find. Jesus said it this way. If you give your life away, that's the only way you'll ever find it. And if you give your vision away, if you give your future away, if you give your life away to him, it's the only way you truly find it because he built you a certain way. He designed you a certain way. He put a personality in you. He put desires and longings. He, put all, he did all of those things. But they only are fulfilled in him, no other way. If you chase anything else, it's like grabbing for water when you're trying to grab water out of the ocean. You grab all day long, you'll never get it. It's right there in front of you. So I just want to encourage you. I know it's been a tough year. I, I, I felt it too. It's been a tough season for some of us, more than one year. So are you giving up? Because it's real easy to do. Because you're just hurt and broken. I've got a hundred other things to say. That's not time to say it discouragement, distraction. It's so easy. Doing the urgent things rather than the important. Letting other people tell you what you should be doing with your life when you really know you don't have time for that kind of stuff, right? 
And so I just want to challenge you to just settle back into, Lord, what have you said? So the two questions that dis- disciples are supposed to be asking, what's the Lord saying? What's he said to you? Anytime someone is lost as a believer, my first question to, is, to them is, what has the Lord said to you? And oftentimes they don't know. How do you not know why you're so despondent, right? And the answer is because we get distracted, we get discouraged, and there is an enemy of our soul. I don't have time to go into it, but that's just true. But the only way outside, the only way to win is to be in relationship with God. And, and if I say, I, I've shared this story many times about wanting to leave somewhere and God saying, no, 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 no. And then I settle on something that I don't want. And the moment I settle on that, the Lord says, now you can go. It was never about the destination. It was never even about the direction. It was about what was happening in me and my relationship with him. And so this year as we go into 2021, if you want a successful life, if you really want to see God flourish inside of you, you want the best possible scenario, you want everything that God has planned for you, if you want to walk in the fullness of the inheritance that Jesus paid such a heavy price to give you, the only way to do it is in constant relationship with him. And that's the only way that you can see what he sees. Amen? Why don't you stand with me? Lord, we just say thank you that, God, your vision is so much more clear than ours and you see so much farther out than we do. God, I, would, I pray this morning that we would just settle our hearts and trust again. God, many of us feel tremendous disappointment, uh, feel let down even by you. Lord, I know it's not true, but that's the perception that our hearts have, have taken. And so, Lord, I just pray that our hearts would soften. And God, we'd be willing to listen and see again the way you see. God, as we go into this new year, that you would give us a picture of what it is that you are on about. Like Jesus said when he was 12, did you not know that I would be about my father's business? Didn't you know that? It's literally what we were designed to do is to be in our father's business. So Lord, whatever that looks like, and I know as we go forward that it looks like people. It looks like loving people. It looks like seeing lives transform, Lord. It looks like being in connection with you. It looks like walking in your ways, Lord, and not our own. It looks like our plans being subject to change, Lord, if you speak change in our hearts. So, Lord, would you do that? Would you just settle in our hearts that you are trustworthy and you are faithful? And, Lord, even if I don't understand, if you've told me to do it, Lord, I serve at the pleasure of my King. And Lord, I pray that all of us would do the same. And Lord, from that, God, is where the joy comes from. From that, Lord, is where the inheritance and the fullness comes from. Lord, you said the only way to get a life is to give it away. Lord, we give our lives away in you because we want your life instead. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. If you would like to have prayer, if you're in-house, if you're in person, we'd love to pray for you. If you just raise your hand, um, we will come and pray for you, some of the ministry team and our leadership team. If you're watching online, you can go to our website at dothancf.com and leave information there, and we will be in touch with you. Thank you so much. We hope everyone has a good week.